Hi, and thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know anybody doesn't have a hard time understanding what leadership is about. It has changed in the 21st century. And because it has changed, you know, there's not a lot of information out there that pulls it all together so that you have the steps you need to be the best leader that you can. Leadership is all about influence. And this podcast is about helping you understand how to influence others and to build the collaborative team that provides you the inclusive, high-performing workplace that you are looking for. Whether this is the first job you've had as a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, or you've been in leadership for 30 years, there is something for you on this particular podcast. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, shared by Denise Cooper and her friends. And if you like, you can always go over to my website and pick up other gems that will help you become a remarkable leader. Today, I have Brett Rice with me. I found him on LinkedIn, one of my favorite things here. And we were doing a series, uh, doing a series on how can we help smaller businesses survive um, and thrive in a, a very changing marketplace. And so this particular podcast is really for smaller companies and maybe even larger companies who um, are using some of the uh, pharmaceutical uh, PBMs, uh, pharmacy benefit managers, to manage costs. But what we want to do is we want to build three thriving small communities that serve their constituents. And during this podcast, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what you can do, whether you're in a small town, uh, whether you work for a large company, small company, that can help other businesses, our pharmacies, survive and why it's important that we keep them as the lifeline of our communities. So how you doing, Brett? Doing great. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Great. Um, just to talk a little bit about him, we'll, we'll get a little bit into that. But I think the thing that drew me the most um, about him is that he really is focusing on um, sparsely populated areas that have low housing density and are far from urban centers. And when we look at the map, when we look at where jobs are, where unemployment tends to be the highest, it is in these small towns, and in particular the South, because most of the, what's happening in the South is the jobs and the companies that are there tend to be low-skilled. And the fastest-growing companies, um, the ones that are going to be of the future, the ones that are um, going to be changing the landscape, as always, we've never been out of that cycle really go to densely populated areas. But there's a lot of you out there who want to live in a small town. There are lots of wonderful things about living in a small town, but mostly it is the fact that you want to be part of community. And as humans, we want to be part of community. So Brett, in his passion, is really about helping small businesses, our local pharmacists, thrive because they are much more of the center of your city, um, small city, because they can do so much to keep you healthy. So I'm going to stop talking about this and I'm going to invite Brett to come in and talk a little bit about how did you get into this? I mean, most people are going after where the inner, you know, you can get the bigger bucks. You can, you know, through consolidation, through aggregation, it's a lot easier. But when you're dealing with smaller businesses trying to help and coach them through how to manage their resources and margins. 
that's a tough job. What got you in it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, if, if you would have asked me back uh, in grad school, you know, would I be working with small independently owned community pharmacies that, you know, probably would have been my, not even on my radar at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, but when there's a need, you need to fill that need. And um, so I can tell you a quick story about a, a how our industry got started as the, there was a pharmacy consultant that was down in a small rural town in Mississippi. We, we love the South and, and this is where our uh, industry even started. So he was down helping an independently owned uh, pharmacy try to be more profitable and he looks on the behind the bench uh, just on the counter there was a, a shoe box and it just had uh, papers spilling out of the shoe box and so this uh, consultant asked the owner what's what's this over here on the counter and he said well that's my workers compensation program <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and they, the consultant laughed and said it doesn't look like much of a program he says yeah i know it's it takes a lot of time to figure out who I've got to send the invoice to. And so what it was, was a box literally spilling over of invoices. And, uh, and so this, this gentleman, this consultant said, well, let me see if I can't figure this out for you. And and that's how our industry of third party claims processing uh, got started. I went to work with that, that company back in 2003 and uh, my job was to help community pharmacies and, and to get them enrolled in the program they loved that program because they could offload all of the the busy legwork of getting it verified, approved, uh, make sh- making sure that it's a compensable claim, and then getting guaranteed payments. Um, that was the other thing that was so beautiful about that program. So pretty much every pharmacy started to sign up for it, and and we were you know having a lot of fun working with all of these these pharmacies, and then a big pharmacy benefit manager, big PBM saw this opportunity to make millions and millions of dollars. And so they wanted to acquire this program and funnel all of those claims into their own uh, programs uh, so that they could make lots of money. And uh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't sign up to, to hurt community pharmacies. I was there to help them. A lot of them were my my friends, I've developed, you know, friendships over the over the years. And so, um, so I left the company, I didn't want to be a part of the the PBM. Well, mm-hmm. a few days later, a knock came on my door, it was a sheriff, uh, you know, that uh, a sheriff deputy that had uh, brought me some documents and uh, that uh, that PBM, uh, didn't want me going out and telling the industry oh, telling no. community pharmacies what was about to happen to them. And so it was a TRO, a temporary restraining order. So basically a gag order yep. to keep me from telling the, the pharmacies. Cause what was going to happen was their, their reimbursements from that third party processor were typically, Oh, 60, 70, even $80 a, a um, w- was, you know, per transaction. That's what was coming back to the pharmacy. And based on what the pharmacy benefit manager that PBM was going to do was lock them into a managed care contract where they would only have to pay them four or five dollars mm-hmm. for medications they used to get seventy or eighty dollars mm-hmm, for. Mm-hmm. So back when I first started, the profit margin for dispensing medications was about thirty six percent for for the pharmacy. After PBMs made their strategic moves. Um, 
and continued to renegotiate contracts year after year, lower and lower. Today, those profit margins are as low as three to 5% now. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty tough to stay in business uh, as a pharmacy on those, on those margins. So, you know, after that TRO uh, took its course um, and, you know, ran out it, its time, uh, then uh, I just jumped right back in with both feet to help community pharmacies again. And and that's when we started the the Serve RX program, which is exactly what we were doing uh, back at the original uh, company, only with twenty year newer technology to be able to do it. And so mm-hmm. uh, we we continue to help uh, community pharmacies get those fair reimbursements that they deserve. So for a lot of smaller town or small companies, um, I should say, they they have an HR person who handles benefits and they're the ones kind of negotiating across the board and with the help sometimes of a, um, you know, an insurance person in their area. What are one or two things that that person should know, do or say to make sure that it's a fair deal on both sides? Yeah, that's a really good question and and something that everyone should be taking a look at what the process is. Follow the follow the dollars and we, you know, we are strong proponents about keeping um revenue local to a community to help buoy up that community, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't make sense to be in a small town in rural America and sending your pharmacy you know, dollars clear across the country to some big city, you know, Boston or Philadelphia or someplace like that. Keep those dollars local and you can do that with your local community pharmacy. And so we ask our community pharmacies, get involved in your local uh, state and and your local um, community governments, you know, get involved in city council, uh, find out who you know those decision makers are. Who are those HR directors? So that the next time that there is a request for a proposal, where they're going to go out and and see what would be a good program for you know all of their city employees, or if you're you know employer group, maybe you're a, a warehouse, uh, it, it, you know you manufacture something in your your little rural town. You know, go get a relationship with them so that you can keep those those dollars locally. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, one thing that that should be looked at is just following the money. What's the reimbursement going to be? You know, on the medication, not just what they're going to pay for it, mm-hmm. but where is it going to come from? Are the are the patients going to have to get it through um, mail order across, you know, coming clear across the, the country? And what if there's a, you know, what if there's a snowstorm and that truck doesn't make it to, you know, to that patient's house? Are they going to go four or five days without a, a you know, life saving medication because mm-hmm. they're dealing with a PBM that's going to require that they get it from their mail order pharmacy clear across the country? So there's yeah, all these that's... questions they should be asking. Um, and see how much better would it be if they were just working right there with their their local pharmacist that, you know, most of these these local business owners, you know, they know their their customers by name. <clears throat> you know, if if somebody was, you know, headed out of town, they may be able to just go to their their pharmacist and say, hey, I need, you know, I need a couple extra days supply of of this, you know, heart medication because I'm going to mm-hmm. be gone. Well, that local pharmacy is going to do their best right to take care of them uh where they're not going to get that same you know service from some 
you know, big chain clear, you know, in the next town over or from some mail order uh, mm-hmm. fulfillment center, you know, in Philadelphia. So uh, from an HR point of view, I hear that you say that they can, when they're thinking about how their prescription drugs are, are handled in their, when they're renegotiating, because every year generally, um, at least when I was in it, we, you know, we look back, we say, we can ask to say, you know what, we really want to, this is because we have so many people in a rural area, in particular, if you're, you know, a company that's going hundred uh, percent remote or something like that, you're going to have people all over. And one of the phenomena that happened in COVID is people moved out of cities to small towns. Um, and so making sure that you have the benefits available to them is really important. So it's okay, is what I hear from you. Or the HR person to be sitting there or whoever the benefit manager is to say, look, you know, we want to make sure that our our drugs get to our people as they need it. Tell me how and where and how are you supporting the community by making sure that that pharmacist can take care of their constituents? Yeah. So the the great thing about um, electronic adjudication today is the the software um, between the pharmacy system that all of our community pharmacies are using. You know, they're using a you know a Pioneer RX or an RX thirty or or you know one of these these pharmacy systems that uh, is able to electronically uh, transmit um, the claim information in order to get it approved and process so that they can dispense the medication. Well, you know, the ServRx uh, adjudication platform does the exact same thing that a PBMs does. And so um, the pharmacy already has all the tools in order to run that program uh, for a local business or for a local uh, municipality. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we, we estimate that it's probably somewhere around a 30% cost savings to the city um, or to the school district or to that self-insured employer group in in town uh, if they use their local pharmacy. They're actually going to spend less on the medication cost. uh, And then that pharmacy is actually going to do better than if Mm -hmm. they took a contracted rate from you know, from the PBM, you think about it, if you can, if you can streamline and take more middlemen that are taking their cut, their percentage out of the mix, there's more to, to, to share between the people who are actually working together, the pharmacy. Work. Yeah. yeah. It, it's really mind boggling to me that, that you have, you know, a, a pharmacist Mm-hmm. who, you know, a community pharmacy owner who, you know, has a, you know, a lease on a building that they're paying for. They have employees that they're supporting and there's those employees' families that they're responsible to. And they're providing benefits to those employees and and they're, you know, have the electricity bill and and everything to keep that business running. And they have to buy the medication. So they buy the, the medications from their wholesaler to have those on site. They dispense those to the patient. They interact with the patient, consult with the patient. They help the patient understand, hey, this medication needs to be taken at this time for the best you know, out, uh, results and outcome. And it shouldn't be taken with this medication or that medication because they don't work really well together. So you have this whole consultative solution that's going on to help that patient get the very best benefit from the medication that was prescribed. And and. That individual that has all that overhead, 
owns the medication, is making on average four or five dollar reimbursement from the PBM. The PBM that doesn't own the medication, they don't have any of the overhead. They're not employing any of that pharmacy staff. They don't mm-hmm. have any of their family's responsibility. They're going to pay that pharmacy four dollars. They're going to put eighty dollars in their own pocket. Where, mm-hmm. Where's the justice in that? That 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 just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So if you take that middleman out and you throw that $80 that they were putting in their own pocket back into the mix, then Mm -hmm. you can split that between the pharmacy and the municipality or the school Mm -hmm. district. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever, self-insured employer group, whoever, then they both win rather than today, the system, the only person winning is that pharmacy benefit manager. Yeah. And it's interesting because you're, you're right. Probably in a, most small towns, the biggest employer is either the hospital or the school district government kind of jobs like that. And so for them to be able to buoy up or support their community through helping the pharmacist do, um, survive, thrive, not survive because they're surviving now, but thriving in the community um, is a benefit to not only the community, but to the children. Because earlier, before we got on um, on air, we were talking about how your group is encouraging pharmacists to start offering other ancillary, non-urgent kinds of, of support. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a great opportunity to help community pharmacies not only survive in, mm-hmm. in this economy and you know look at what their profit margins are on dispensing medication. If all you're doing is dispensing medication and you're getting a 3% margin, or you're being asked to dispense that medication below even your acquisition cost, meaning that it the drug that you paid for, you're not even getting enough reimbursement mm-hmm. when you dispense it to the patient. Mm-hmm. It's hard to stay in, in business that way. So not only do these programs help bring new revenue to the pharmacy, it helps the patients and the community. And there are programs like wellness programs, you know, identifying how, um, what the nutrition level is of, of the, your patient population. Um, there's a, a bioscanner that, that patients can come in, just takes a few minutes and, and see really what they're, you know, it gives them a score, lets them know, mm-hmm. Hey, how healthy you are. And, and based on that score, then the pharmacy can make recommendations to improve their score. Um, there's, uh, uh, even some some amazing um, analytics for you know taking your your results that come back from labs. So you get a blood test that comes back. Doctor says, you know, well, you're in the normal range. Well, what does normal mean for Denise versus normal for Breck? It could be two different things, right? But it's still in the normal range. Or maybe I still feel a little bit like I'm just not hundred percent, but yet my labs came back normal. Well, this analytics can actually identify blood markers that could turn into a future disease state. So this is catching things before they even happen. Um, there's programs that help us improve our, our, you know, antioxidant level and reduce inflammation. Well, if you look at, you know, diseases, there's 45,000 known diseases and over 90, it's actually 93% of those originate from inflammation. Mm. Well, what if you were reducing the inflammation to begin with? What if you were increasing your antioxidants? You know, you had less free radicals. You're going to have fewer diseases. Um, you know, there's so many things that can be done to help, you know, individuals have a much healthier 
and feel better um, doing it too, that the pharmacies can direct from their, from these wellness centers. So it's not, even though it's in, um, you know, wellness programs are being administered at a pharmacy, that doesn't mean that more drugs are involved in right. quite often less drugs are involved. Right. Um, right. So we're using pharmacogenomics, which is an amazing uh, program. Pharmaco- what, what is that? Pharmacogenomics, um, PGX is Uh the acronym for pharmacogenomics. It's basically a DNA test. Uh It helps you understand what works for you, what your body can metabolize and what what it doesn't metabolize correctly. Did you know that that they're out of of the entire population, 99% of us, 99% of the entire population has at least one variant one variant in their DNA. And because of that, even the most effective medication may only have a 30 to 50% uh, efficacy, meaning that at least 50 to 70% Mm -hmm. of the patients that are on that medication Mm -hmm. aren't even properly metabolizing the medication. You learn all of that from a a pharmacogenomics test, a DNA test that tells us it, and they're laid out very, very comprehensive. You can look at the medications that work. They're in green. Here's the medications that you should proceed with caution. They're in yellow. And then here's the medications in red. Stay away from those. Those could kill you. Okay. So that's pretty laid out, pretty, pretty straightforward. So you only need to do it, do it that one time. And, and, um, and then, you know, what, what I hear is, is a great, you know, I'm always looking for how can smaller towns find ways in which they can sort support themselves, but also how do they get these newer leading edge kinds of jobs? It almost that sounds like a, an opportunity to me. Is there somebody out there in rural, you know, Arkansas, North Carolina, where I am, yep. um, I, you know, wherever Idaho, um, yep. to be able to go with these uh, pharmacists and to support school districts, to support the hospitals in those areas, all the patients, you know, people who are working there yep. to help them reduce inflammation, start wellness programs in yeah. those communities. I mean, if, if we have to have a middle person, right, <laughs> it seems to me that that person might be value add in the chain of stuff. And with these smaller companies and smaller pharmacies living in these rural areas, it seems to me that that might be an opportunity to bring some of the healthcare, um, leading edge healthcare um, results into smaller communities by having these, um, the local pharmacists partner with the school district and the government officials to try and be forecasting health wellness and to help people to get into that because they're part of the community. They're right there. People trust other individuals that they know, like, and, you know, trust out of this thing. So they'll, they'll, they're more likely to follow those kinds of things. So it seems to me that if we want to add at least one more job in your County, this sounds like a really good job to me. Yeah. You know, we have a, a quite a work with quite a few PharmDs and, and um, a doctor friend of mine took one of these wellness programs into the elementary school mm-hmm. and just as a service, because um, it's non-invasive, it's just literally pressing a, a scanner up a, against the palm of, of your hand. And so it's not a finger prick or yep. getting blood or anything. And this, this pharmacist went in to the school kids and she, she tested all of them and showed them what their, their nutrition levels were. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and gave them a score and then told them how to improve those scores. Okay. So this is what you need to do. You need to eat more of your leafy greens. You need to eat more broccoli. You need to, you know, consume these types of, of foods in order to improve that score and left that information with, with, with kids just did it as a community service. You know how many phone calls that pharmacist got from parents saying, <laughs> I, I don't know say. what you told my kid, but they want me to make broccoli for dinner tonight. And they've never asked for that before, you know. And so, uh, you know, these are just little wellness, you know, uh, moments. Programs, yeah, that you can do in your own community to help people think about. And what's interesting about the the whole pharmacogenomics thing is, is, and right there in a good friend of mine, Dr. Canterbury is, is in your part of the country, right there in North Carolina, one of the, the, the nation's leading experts on deprescribing. So he helps patients, a lot of our geriatric elderly that are on multiple medications. I asked uh, uh, Dr. Delon, I said, doctor, what, what, um, you know, what's, the most medications you've had a patient on 28 different medications. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 28. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I said, well, how many were you able to eliminate about 20 of them? They were able to wow. get 20 of them off. So what happens is a patient will get um, on a, on two or three prescriptions because of something that they're, they're dealing with. Right. But prescription four five and six mm-hmm. are now counteracting the negative side effects of prescription one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And then, four, five, and six have side effects. So now you need a seven, eight, nine, you know, mm-hmm. it just continues on and on because you, you, you get side effects mm-hmm. from, from these medications. Yeah. There's some, there's some real blockbuster life-saving medications out there, but when you really get into the, to the weeds, we're doing more harm with over-medicating than good. And there's way more side effects. You know, there's there's medications that have over 150 negative side effects. Wow. Things that rob your body from nutrients. Yeah. I, I was on a, a medication that worked wonderfully for me um, until I the my my physician told me, you know, you you've been on this for a while. You know that it's depleting the calcium in your bones. You're getting right weaker bones for, by taking this. And I'm like, oh, dang it. I didn't want that to happen. Sure right. enough, the very next winter, I'm out um, uh, snowboarding with my family and up in Vail, Colorado. And mm-hmm. I was going through the trees, just having a good old time and hit some moguls and just blew up my ankle. I mean, oh, I no. broke it in like four or five Shattered different it. places. Yeah. It was, yeah. And that was all due to, to bone density. And, you know, now I have a plate and screws. I've got a, a washer in there and a screw just to put the malleolus back in place. So I knocked mm. the little bone on the ankle completely off. Mm. And now I've got a washer and screw to put that back in, in place. So it was all just because of a medication depleting, you know, the, um, uh, uh, prednisone. Prednisone is a life-saving steroid has so many horrible side effects. And if you're not taking uh, supplements to counteract those, yeah, it could be saving your life, but it's also taking your life too. And so you need to be aware of that and patients need to be aware of that. And that can all be done through, you know, through these wellness programs, through, um, you know, sitting down and doing a, a, you know, a, a review of what all the medications you're on with your pharmacist. And, you know, doctors are great. Um, you know, our, our Western medicine is great. We have some real, like I said, some blockbuster medications out there that have saved lives. We do really good for acute. 
issues. So for things like, yeah. uh, you know, you've got to you break a, you break a bone. You, you yeah, know. you break a bone, yeah. but diabetes, heart, uh, COPD, all of those things. Chronic. We, when it comes to chronic yeah. things, we're doing yeah. more, more damage than good with, with chronic care. And, and we could really start to look at some other things. And, you know, unfortunately, even with these blockbuster, um, you know, life-saving medications that have, that have, you know, been invented like antibiotics. You've mm-hmm. got an infection. Perfect. That's the perfect thing to get rid of that, that infection. And that infection could kill you if you don't get on the, the antibiotics. So that's a, that's a wonderful thing. But when you start looking at some of these chronic things, there, there are studies where they have, and these are 50 year old studies yeah. where they've actually reversed diabetic blindness just mm-hmm. through proper diet. Mm. eating the right things has reversed that diabetic blindness, but yet you're not going to hear about that because big pharma can't make billions of dollars off of telling you to eat properly. You know what? And not for not, I know it's always, you know, trying to help, but the diet industry has also been one that just turns people off because, you know, there's such cynicism about the quick, quick fix things. Um, and what you're talking about is it's really helping people learn on a lifestyle change. And yeah. the way you do that is you build communities that support you in those lifestyle changes, those, you know, those kinds of things. So I can see where in a small community, you know, now we might be helping the restaurants in the area come up with meals that actually people would be healthy for people, you know, not to kill McDonald's and the rest of them. But I, I think that when we think about it from a community point of view and what would it take to be healthy as a community, um, some of these ideas, if we could just get people to sit, you know, be, you know, the healthcare provider or the, not provider, but the person who's in this wellness um, and working with the pharmacies and work with cities and governments and, you know, not just the hospitals, but the, the employees, the employee population so that they can have a really good quality of life, which would, probably turn around burnout. Um, it certainly would burn out, uh, you know, turn around fatigue yeah. um, and issues of fatigue with people. Um, you know, lack of sleep is one of the, you know, top seven, I think it is reasons why people are sleep uh, are sick and they don't even know that they have a lack of sleep. Yeah. Dehydration. Um, I have to watch. I'm very sensitive to being dehydrated and wouldn't have known that if I hadn't started thinking about some alternative medicines, alternative ways of thinking about how do I not get to a position where I'm not taking um, these drugs, which you're right, have so many side effects. And oftentimes we just write off the side effects because it's, you know, oh, I'm getting old or, oh, I don't exercise enough or, oh, I, you know, whatever it is. And uh, people push them off to the side. Yeah. I I launched a little social media campaign uh, about just helping people understand what some of the side effects might be for some pretty commonly prescribed medications. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's really, it's really kind of blown up the, the, uh, the video that I did on, uh, tramadol has, Mm -hmm. you know, tramadol is a pain medication, uh, commonly prescribed. In fact, um, people from, you know, the VA say that, you know, if they, they go to an appointment in the VA, and they have any aches and pains, you know, the, the VA is just handing it out like Skittles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's it's being used quite a bit, pretty popular pain medication. Well, that one post that I did about tramadol and talking mm-hmm. about what the scary drug facts are, 
um, has nearly 3 million views. Mm. Um, you know, there's now over 100,000 patients that are following that campaign mm. that are on some some kind of medication mm -hmm. that they wonder, you know, hey, is it doing more harm than good? And I usually end each one of my my videos or the majority of my videos, I kind of end it by saying, you know, when the side effects outweigh the benefits, it's time to do something different. Yeah, I agree. And, you I know, agree. so you know, understanding that there are some benefits, right? That you you should you, you were prescribed that for some reason. There's some reason why you you needed that, but when the side effects become heftier than the benefit you're getting. Similar to me, I was on a medication for reflux. You know, I like spicy food mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I had to be on a medication to kind of tone down those, those acids. And, um, and that same medication was the one that was robbing, you know, uh, calcium from my bones. I, I just have one, one other question before we, you know, we kind of move on on this and that. In a lot of small rural towns, they're historically underrepresented people, Native Americans and African-Americans who live in the South in particular. We're really talking about these areas where there's just not a lot of of uh, larger cities. And, of course, there's the high insurance premiums and medical bankruptcies, inflated you know, prescription prices. What should they be thinking about in terms of better health? What should they be asking their employer? Because one of the things that HR does on, on a regular basis is they send out surveys to their employees. You know, what do you want us to pay attention to kinds of things? So if you had to give two things, two words of advice that people need to ask their employers, ask their, you know, to get this kind of help to them, what would they be? Yeah, I, I'm glad you asked that question because I've thought a lot about, you know, how a lot of employee benefit programs will offer reimbursement to to employees mm -hmm. if they if they want to live a more healthy la lifestyle. A good right. example would be a gym membership. Mm -hmm. A lot of employers will reimburse their their employees if they have a gym membership. But they don't ever follow up whether or not they're using the gym membership. You may right. be paying for it month in and month out, but are they actually going? Right. And so I think there should be programs in place where you can test therapy and retest to show mm -hmm. improvement. Mm -hmm. and, and so those are this, the types of programs that are being set up in these wellness centers in community pharmacies are test therapy test mm -hmm. so that you can actually show because people only really respect what you inspect. Yes. Right. So yeah. if you don't have a return and report, if mm -hmm. you don't have a, Hey, this is what you were supposed to be doing. Did you do it? Then, then, you know, we, we get, we get the, a little lackadaisical. We, you know, might've hit the gym the first, you know, first yep. couple of weeks of January, but then by February, March, you know, we, Jim, uh, what's that? Yeah. So, um, but so yeah, all the programs have ways of measuring the improvement. Um, like the antioxidant program, you know, the better nutrition, you're getting tested, you're getting a score, you come back in six to eight weeks, and you show that you've improved in that score. And, and guess what, you know, employees are excited, they yeah. want to show that improvement, they, you know, it's in our DNA to want right. to do better, right? And if you don't measure it, though, how do you know? 
And how can people get a hold of you? You know, some folks are going to want to have more conversation. Yeah, you know, I'm really easy to find on on uh, LinkedIn. You mm-hmm. mentioned that earlier. Uh, I can guarantee you I'm the only Breck L. Rice on LinkedIn. <laughs> You're not going to find anyone else with B-R-E-C-K L. Rice. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to find me there. And uh, uh, my company is ServeRx. You can also find me at, at ServeRx uh, as well. So thank you so much again for having me on. No worries. No worries. All right, guys. You know, we're here every Thursday. There's a new podcast and a new guest who's sitting here with me with my cup of uh, tea, willing to share their brilliance and their expertise to help you lead a remarkable life. And so until next week, I'll talk to you later. Well, as I said before, this is a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for following me. And if you really, really want to make things better and help me get the word out, please go like this wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that's in the show notes. And for doing that, go to my website and click on the uh, network and you'll be able to get some free gifts that will help you figure out how to be the best leader that you can be. As I always say, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will definitely help you become the most remarkable leader you can be.